Hello, I'm Davis Nordell, a Senior Technology Analyst at RSM US LLP. We are proud to be sponsoring this podcast in collaboration with the Puget Sound Business Journal. At RSM, our purpose is to deliver the power of being understood to our clients, colleagues, and communities through world-class audit, tax, and consulting services focused on middle market companies. The business world is evolving rapidly. In this fast-paced environment, RSM understands that you need an advisor who thinks ahead and rapidly responds to the changing needs of your business. At RSM, we build strong relationships by being committed to understanding our clients' industries and embracing what matters most to our clients. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Business Journal podcast. I'm your host, Rick Morgan. Today, I'm joined by Jesse Woolley-Wilson, President and CEO of the education technology company, Dreambox Learning. Dreambox was founded in 2006, and it offers digital math and reading programs that are designed to adapt to students. The company is on target for more than 100 million in revenue this year and supports about 6 million students. Uh, Dreambox last month sold a majority stake in the company to the Menlo Park, California-based investment firm, Evergreen Coast Capital Corp. Uh, In addition to a role with Dreambox, Jesse, Jesse has been a board member with Rosetta Stone and Quizlet. Um, so much stuff going on right now. Jesse, thanks for joining us today. I'm happy to be here, Rick. Great. So uh, let's start with kind of the basics. Can you maybe just describe sort of the overall goal of Dreambox, who it's designed for, how it works, things like that? So Dreambox has been on a journey. We started off as a B2C, a consumer proposition that parents would get to help their kids outside of school learn mathematics. Uh, In 2010, Reed Hastings infused capital in the company and said, we need to make sure every child has access to this, not just parents who are aware of it or who can afford to pay it for a subscription. So I joined in 2010. Dreambox really is a company that focuses on math and, and literacy right now, but fundamentally it's a learning technology company that uses nimble, personalized, uh, to engineering capabilities to make sure that every child has the most fun, engaging, and effective learning experience available to them. The technology is designed to meet them right where they are. Mm -hmm. So it's a K through eight, largely, solution that we sell to schools, but who knows what the future holds for that. Mm -hmm. You you guys recently acquired um, uh, a reading to get into the reading space too. Can you kind of walk me through what happened? I mean, how that uh, first of all just kind of refresh my memory, um, and then sort of why was that important to Dreambox? So we what we want to do is make sure that every child has a foundational strong start, mm-hmm. and if we could help children develop competence and confidence in math and reading early on we think they're going to be on a very healthy trajectory for lifelong learning and life and professional success. So increasingly districts are focusing on math and reading Mm -hmm. as primary competency areas and uh, more and more districts and even states are starting to purchase math and reading from the same vendor. And so since our anchor has been on effective, engaging, easy to use, and empathetic technologies. We wanted to find something on the reading side that could match with our map. And Reading Plus and Squiggle Park, Squiggle Park is a earlier version for the little kiddos, uh-huh. and Reading Park goes all the way up 
to uh, reading plus excuse me goes all the way up to k through 12. right so yeah Got so it. it's a great blend mm-hmm. um so the the news recently with the evergreen coast um buying the majority stake in the company um how does that kind of change your plans if at all so we were really looking for capital what i call smart capital that was going to help us move from success to significance to even beyond that with global aspirations ultimately and evergreen presented a couple of um, benefits that we really liked first of all evergreen their philosophy of investment is longer term than a lot of other pe firms so a lot of pe firms want to get in and get out in two years and they manage the business to do that sure Evergreen was different. They really wanted to, they really uh, focused on growth and they wanted to, they had a longer horizon, which is why it's called Evergreen Coast uh, Capital. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, they had a commitment to innovation. There are kind of two kinds of companies in this space. One kind are you know, traditional education companies. They might have some technology, but the technology is designed to really support their traditional business. There's a lot of that in the ed tech space. And then there's a second category of company that are SaaS companies that are leveraging technology to transform the learning experience. Those are companies like Dreambox, and they got that. They understood that. Mm. They saw our technological prowess, and they saw opportunities for us to continue to grow, um, both domestically and internationally. The third reason was their philosophy around partnership. They have a portfolio of companies, and there aren't a lot of ed tech companies in this portfolio, but they have a lot of portfolio companies in the SaaS space that are in areas that are important to Dreambox learning, like cybersecurity and um, personalization. So we really wanted to make sure we were up and close to that kind of expertise Mm -hmm. so that our leadership team could be proximate to that kind of expertise and and SaaS prowess. And then finally, culture fit. I mean, these things, these long-term partnerships are all about culture. And two of the partners at Evergreen experienced Dreambox as parents. Their children were on Dreambox. They were able to look over the shoulder of their kids and see something magical, see how their kids metabolized frustration when they didn't quite understand something and see how they worked through it. See the delight and surprise that their children experienced even when the math they were doing was really, really hard and they still wanted to do it. So these were people who saw the promise of the impact of Dreambox to date, but also the promise of Dreambox through the eyes of their own children. All those things added up to us feeling very comfortable mm-hmm. with Evergreen Coast Capital and the partners that we have there. The final thing I'll say is sure. um, the RISE Fund and Impact Fund, TPG's RISE Fund, mm-hmm. who's been our amazing partner for the last three years, they're staying in. Yeah. They rolled in, and the way Evergreen and TPG partnered together through that process gave me a very clear indication of how they would partner together around the board table and how Dreambox would benefit from this kind of collaboration and partnership. Mm-hmm. How did the deal sort of come about? I mean, how did you meet them? How did you hear about them? Uh, how did that sort of even come to be in the first place? So, uh, you know, this has been a crazy year for sure. transactions, as you know, uh-huh. record number of transactions. And when the Rise Fund decided that they were going to put their toe in the water and see what might, what might happen for Dreambox this year, a lot of people came out of the woodwork and expressed interest in uh, bidding for, for Dreambox Learning and Evergreen Capital was was one of them. Evergreen Coast Capital was one of them. So they kind of found us 
we didn't have high visibility of them before, mm-hmm. but I'm super thrilled that they found us and we found them. Gotcha. Yeah, education technology, uh, you know, is obviously a very hot space right now. Um, a lot of stuff going on and um, very, very important space, especially given the pandemic. Um, what are some of the challenges with education technology right now from where you're standing? I think about three things when I hear you say that question, Rick. Mm-hmm. The first is talent. One of the most important things I do in my seat is try to create positive gravity for the best talent and the best hearts to come into this space because the levels of innovation that we need to design and deliver to this marketplace, especially now that teachers are rethinking things and leaving at record numbers, the um, diversity of learning readiness that exists in the typical classroom has never been broader. In the wake of the pandemic, all of the opportunity to learn and advance skills has been lost for so many kids, especially the least well-served. I mean, education is is at a critical inflection point, and we need to find innovative and empathetic solutions to complement live instruction to make sure both learner and learning guardian can thrive. And so we need to have the right people with the right hearts. So that's, frankly, the most important thing, and and it's a a challenge, especially in a place like Greater Seattle, where technical talent is so hard to secure. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is, the, that uh, um, technology in general is changing so rapidly. When we, summit, when we see and read about the challenges around privacy and cyber and just how um, users feel when they're on technology, all these things are germane to the practice of learning technology. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that we um, make good decisions about what we should do with technological innovation versus what we could do just because technology would allow it. So for example, if, we, if there are technologies that exist that can measure pupil dilation as a proxy for engagement of users, should we strap one of those technologies on the forehead of a kindergartner to make sure that we understand yeah. how engaged they are? We have to find a different way yeah, of course. than that. So it's not just about what technologies exist that we could use and mm-hmm. bring in to the learning space, it's really about technologies that we should use with the ultimate goal of always making sure technology is designed to serve the interests of humanity and not the other way around. Mm -hmm. So innovation, intentional values-based innovation, that's the second challenge. The third challenge is this globalization. So the challenges that are, especially those that are more acute because of the pandemic, the challenges of trying to create a sense of smallness and intimacy so that you can deliver personalized learning at scale. Maybe with a lot of teachers leaving the classroom, we have to find a way to make a classroom of 40 kids feel like a classroom of 20 kids. Because what if we don't have enough teachers to make sure that every child is in a classroom of 20 kids? That might not be an option in the short term. We have to figure out ways to to leverage techno- technology to, cr- to uh, create an experience that's worthy of the children and the teachers that we mm-hmm. serve. And then the last thing I just think is capital, smart capital. When I got into this business over 20 years ago, K-12 education technology was the Rodney Dangerfield of <laughs> investment. All investment went to higher ed. All the innovation 
every everyone thought was in higher ed. All the good returns were in higher ed. And all the while, here's Dreambox from 2006 when we were founded, creating the most nimble, the most efficacious, the most engaging learning experience available in the market today. And it didn't get the attention of the the best investors, the, 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 the deep, most deeply capitalized mm -hmm. or um, the, the those with the most experience, et cetera. We were the Rodney Dangerfield. And over the past five years, I've seen dramatic transformation. And that's really important for a couple reasons. When you have transactions like the one we just announced last week, yeah. it gets the attention of smart capital, mm -hmm. but it also gets the attention of talent. So what talent needs to know is that they can progress their career, they can grow and develop without worrying about sustainability and viability. Mm. And with sustain with the sustainable capital that we were able to secure with Evergreen Coast Capital, that's a signal. And that and it, it and it's it's not lost to me that you know some of the amazing people we've just brought in, we just brought in an amazing chief uh, chief people officer. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we would have gotten her if. We hadn't been on her radar screen because we were just a ed tech company. We yeah. just hired uh, a chief product officer who spent 20 years at Amazon. I mean, the fact that we can compete with, you can imagine the kind of companies that those two individuals were considering, and they chose to bring their talents and hearts to Dreambox. And that's, that's the last thing I would say. Mm -hmm. I think increasingly talent is looking for purposeful work. Mm. There are a lot of people who have made a lot of money in the past five and 10 years, and they're young. And many of them are starting to have families. And so if you think about parents and the experience they had over the past two years, they were chief of something, I don't know, chief financial officer or chief, of, they were doing something, some professional career. Yeah. They were a nurse, they were a teacher. They were also chief academic officer because they had to drive their kids learning even though they weren't trained yeah and they were trying to just manage health a health crisis with the pandemic it's been a really hard time for parents and teachers and the relationship between home-based learning guardians and school-based learning guardians may be forever transformed well all of that goes into the soup of learning all of that goes into the innovation cauldron in edtech and all of that hopefully will spur new kinds of experiences and technologies that will reshape the future of learning mm -hmm. in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really interesting that the points you're making about, about talent. Obviously, that's a huge challenge for, for any company. Um, and uh, in addition to the visibility that you sort of get by with these deals that can sort of help um, attract top talent, I mean, what else can a company like uh, Dreambox Learning do to really attract those top folks? Because it sounds like you've been doing pretty pretty well at that recently, or pretty good at that recently. You know, years ago, I I remember a conversation I had with Reed Hastings, and I said, Reed, how am I going to compete with Amazon and Microsoft and Concur? And like, how am I going to compete with these kind of companies for talent? And he said, if you compete on with their rubric, you probably won't win. Mm -hmm. Think about Dreambox's power lanes and compete on your rubric. And so he was basically saying, don't underestimate the passion that people have for doing purposeful work. We're touching 6 million kids. We're showing what amazing brilliance exists in place like Compton, California, 
where kids are on Dreambox and they are excelling mm-hmm. and they're loving to learn. We're changing attitudes about what possibilities exist in kids, regardless of their station and zip code in life. That resonates with people. Yeah, and everybody we've come to learn has a story about education. They'll tell you about a teacher who saw something in them when they were in fourth grade that they didn't know they had themselves. They'll talk about another teacher who told them they would never amount to anything and they're leading uh, a very important engineering team at Dreambox. Sure, yeah. Where they'll tell, everybody has a story and it's all about unlocking learning potential. It's, always, it's all about our philosophy that talent exists everywhere, but opportunity does not. And what we are in the business of at Dreambox is bridging talent to opportunity. That's what education should be in its purest form, mm-hmm. the bridge between talent and opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely something to that, right? You know, being, um, feeling very purposeful in your work and, and having something that, that uh, really feels good to do. I mean, that's hard to, uh, that's hard to emulate often. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask before we get out of here today, uh, Jesse, is a little, kind of a change of course, but uh, what is one thing your employees don't know about you? <laughs> What is one thing my employees don't know about me? Wow. It's a hard question for a relatively uh, transparent leader. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of them know it and some of them don't. I am the daughter of a, a Haitian immigrant who came to this, to this country in 1956. Whoa, 1956. Pre-civil rights legislation. Mm-hmm. And he had choices to go to a lot of other places and his peers went to Paris or Francophone Africa or Switzerland or places like this. And he came to America. And I remember asking him when I was a child, you had so many choices. Why would you come here to a place where they didn't respect you as a a full human being, where we didn't have protection in law yet around your civil civil liberties, civil Mm -hmm. rights. And he said, I grew up and I, I remembered reading stories about Bobby Kennedy and Martin Luther King, and I knew that America was on its ascendancy. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had the privilege of an excellent education. And combining that education with family and my faith, I felt confident I could make a life for myself and my family. I mean, an amazing immigrant story. Yeah. And so uh, education has been part of our family values for a long time and i feel lucky to be sitting here lucky to be working with the caliber of people the passionate um, self-effacing people at dreambox learning who care very deeply about bridging the gap between talent and opportunity and this is a this is a calling as much as it is a profession i left banking as a result of tutoring kids oh interesting in new york city And I saw what they were doing from a position of scarcity. And I knew that if I were in their same situation, I would not be as successful as they were. Mm. So what was the difference between them and me? Opportunity. And so that was it. I stepped off. I started working in ed tech with the belief that if we could unlock the learning potential of every child, we could over time make society better for everybody. That's really powerful. Where did your uh, dad move to when he moved to the States? He moved to the Midwest initially, because at that time you had to retest and prove, even though he was top of his class, et cetera, you had to go through a lot of uh, hoops to, mm-hmm. in order to, and he's a retired physician. Oh, cool. So he went, 
Sorry. That's what, oh, that's cool. That's all. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a retired physician, and at that time, he's a surgeon, and at that time, you couldn't um, admit uh, people to hospitals if you were black. Huh, so he needed to partner with white physicians who understood the challenges that he was in and maybe were very empathetic mm-hmm. toward him, and they would admit people on his behalf. And so he was kind of, he went where he could find support to, um, to thrive. And at some point, somebody who was very helpful to him moved to Wilmington, Delaware, and he followed him there because he knew if he followed him there, he would have support and he would continue to have referrals and, and continue to have admittance uh, privileges. So we do everybody, you know, has a cross to bear as my mother would say. And, um, you know, he would say he's um, very fortunate. Wow. And um, despite those challenges, and it's through challenge that we kind of find out what we're made of. And uh, it, we're in a position now where we can pay that forward. We have to make sure I'm sitting here speaking with you because my father made that choice, met an amazing woman. They were amazing partners to a very dark time in our in our history, our, our country history. Yeah but have uh, joy and faith in this country and in people and in young people in particular, and always emphasized education. Mm-hmm. And so here I am trying to pay it forward because I see sparks uh-huh. in every child I see. I see brilliance in every child I see, but I don't see opportunity. Mm-hmm. And the impact of the pandemic has only exacerbated that. It's very important now for companies that care and innovative companies that can do something special like the intelligent adaptive technology we've created Mm -hmm. to make sure that we don't widen the opportunity gap so that some kids have access to it and some don't, but we do everything we can to shrink it, especially now. Yeah, that's really great. And what a powerful story. Um, Jesse, thank you for sharing that with us. And and thanks for being here today. This was a lot of fun. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye.